Hi, everybody. Uh, we want to welcome you to this very first ever episode of Wisdom Explored Conversations with Rabbi Corinne. Uh, in the spirit of transparency, I am Rabbi Corinne's daughter. My name is Janet Spiegel, and my mom is Rabbi Corinne Kopnick. And um, she's almost 88 years old and has so much to share with the world, which she's already shared in so many of her books. But we just want to take an opportunity to invite you to these conversations and um, really enjoy the wisdom that she has to share with us. So why don't you say hi there? Hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. And you can call me Rabbi Corinne because it's friendlier. Uh, I'm the author of uh, my latest book. It's called Miracles Are What You Make of Them. And that's really a timely book because it's about maintaining hope in difficult times chaotic times, both socially, societally, and personally. But sustaining hope is not a standalone adventure. It requires goals and planning, commitment and action, and a time frame that may involve several generations. Well, can I just ask you a quick question? Yeah. Because I know that you talk, you've talked about like the concept of an ethical will. Right. So can... And I know that you translated that kind of idea into this book. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Yes. Um, well, I think that my book serves as an ethical will because I don't know if you know that Jewish people are supposed to write an ethical will as they uh, end their lives. The purpose being to communicate their values to their descendants, their children and their grandchildren and Beyond. So regardless of whether they've had close relationships with their family or not close relationships with their family, it sounds like it's the idea of passing on something from this generation to the next. Exactly. I mean, most people think of wills in that you, you pass on your property, yeah. your house, and so on. But an ethical will means you communicate something that goes beyond that, mm -hmm. something that can't be destroyed your values and the way you would like them to live. Um, well, it's good because you've got children and grandchildren. I've got children and, <laughs> yes, that kind of helps if you have them. If not, you can communicate it to the world at large. And it doesn't matter what your ethnicity is or your gender or religion or your lack of it. Uh, I'm Jewish. I mean, a rabbi, so that's yeah. kind of obvious, right? Yeah. But you don't have to be Jewish uh, to hope or to have faith in God, whatever your God is. But you will find that there's a lot of practical wisdom in the Jewish tradition. And that's something that I'd like to explore because mm -hmm. it's something we use all the time. I mean, I hope we use it all the time. And, and, and you don't have to be Jewish either to experience the wonder of a metaverse, a meta universe unfolding in our time. Or to have the will to continue. The will to continue if you're getting old. Well, let's talk about that then. I mean, you're 87. You're about to turn 88. Yeah. I mean, like, you are legit. I'm, I'm kind le of old. I'm legitimately old. <laughs> yeah, like you're no longer young old. No. I'm you're not. now in the category of I'm old old. old. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, so I'm an old old. Okay, let's talk about that a little bit because, you know, you were from... You were the silent generation, right? After yes. World War II. That's right. And I'm a baby boomer. Right. Um, 
about to be 65, which is like shocking. Uh, so my grandchildren are past millennials. They're Gen X. Gen, Gen Z, Gen no, they Z, are, yeah, oh, they're Gen, Gen Z, Z yeah. Wow. yeah, they're the aught, the aught generation. They're the aught generation. So, so can you talk about that then? I mean, that's a lot of generations that you're spanning in your knowledge well, in life. you know, I'll be 88 in January yeah. of this year, mm-hmm. tw- in 2024, mm-hmm. this coming year. So that's a couple of decades older than the baby boomers. Mm-hmm. And my children are all tail end baby boomers. And... So the first three chapters of my book deal with my personal will, capital W-I-L-L, as an aged person to maintain hope, and that hope is with a capital H-O-P-E. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you for just one second. So I just want our audience to know that um, this, this, is a, this is a book that just, just came out, so oh, yeah. it's kind of hot hot topic right now. The podcast isn't only going to be about this book, but we do want to share it with you today, especially because it's prior to the holidays and it just makes for a wonderful type of holiday gift or anytime gift for people who are, you know, in this un- and very uncertain time if they want to, you know, lift their spirits or you want to help lift somebody else's spirits. So we're really kind of, as part of our introduction, focusing on this particular book, but we're going to be covering so many different conversations and topics over the course of this podcast. This is just the first of many. Okay, right. Sorry, I interrupted That's you. That's quite all right. You're allowed to interrupt me on this okay. podcast. Okay. Okay, so so I was saying um, that, that the first few chapters deal with my personal will as an aged person. I call myself a vintage original. Mm-hmm. To maintain hope during the COVID-19 pandemic and afterwards. And Zoom technology helped that my trusted computer helped a lot. I don't know what I would have done without them. I think you and most people, and lived most on, people. we lived on Zoom yeah. for like two years and pretty much. And they continue to mm-hmm. from time to time as well. <coughs> Excuse me. Now there is the violence of war and its aftermath flooding our computer screens. So we especially need to have commitment. Commitment, that's almost a lost word today. We need to have commitment to ensure that our children and grandchildren live in peace. So I'm, th- I'm talking about three values, w- the will, mm-hmm. the hope, mm-hmm. and the commitment as being intertwined. So it's, so it's kind of like, so there's really like three, three, part, three parts to your book. So this is the first part that you're t- talking about I'm talking here. I'm talking about commitment. the first part, <coughs> outlining these three values. Now, the second part of my book is a compilation about the views about hope by contemporary rabbis. I call it a garden of rabbinic views. So when you're saying contemporary, what does that mean, like, in terms of... (coughs) Oh, I probably... probably I would say the the, the late 1900s, a little bit. Late 1900s throughout the 2000s. Okay, so very contemporary. Very Within contemporary. the last 50 or so years. Well, yeah, probably. Or even the last 100 years. Let's okay. go back 100 okay. years. Okay. okay. And most of them say similar things in different beautiful words, but often augmented by biblical and Talmudic texts. And what they're telling us is to keep on going when times are tough. <coughs> Don't give up. Never surrender. 
pick yourself up from disaster and rebuild. That is the lesson of life. Pick yourself up and rebuild. Keep on going. Don't give up. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I'm asking my readers and in sorry, case, I just want to say, you know, that really hits home because the one big thing, especially it's so recent in our in our history is, you know, dealing with this pandemic. So many people died and we have had to continually be resilient, continually pick ourselves up, exactly. continually figure out how to survive financially, Yep. you know, through COVID and everything. So, yeah. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, it's the tip. So uh, now, uh, because I know that questions and the need to answer them are so important to people. Yeah. A feature my bo- of my book uh, is providing readers with questions so they can discuss them in book clubs and study groups. I was just thinking that's probably really good for book clubs. It is. Yeah. You could ask them of yourself, of your friends and neighbors too. Yeah. And uh, that section is called, What Do You Believe? Um, now, the last part of Miracles are What You Make of Them. This is my sixth book, by the way. It concerns what I call the dream of the generations. And it concerns the reestablishment of the state of Israel. So that's very topical. It's very right topical. Very timely. Uh, very timely. And in a chapter called Opening the Letters of My Soul, I discuss the zeal and accomplishments of Mordecai Noah. Uh, you probably have never heard of him. I, I had never heard of him before this, right. before your book. Well, he was probably the very first Zionist in America and who tried, although unsuccessfully, to create a temporary refuge for the Jews of Europe on Grand Island in the United States of America. And because, because so many people in recent generations have probably never read it, they've probably never read the Declaration of the State of Independence of the State of Israel, so I've included it in its entirety in the appendix to the book. Oh, well, that's very good. Yes. Because nobody, people wouldn't just randomly think to look it up and read it. No. But, so that way it's right there. I don't think my grandchildren, for example, I'm sure have ever haven't. read the whole Declaration. No. You might see portions of it quoted here. I've only read the whole declaration because of your book. Because it was in my book. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Other topics in the last section include uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion in the language of hope. Um, Hope is a miracle. End of life issues. How do rabbis keep hoping? I'm still asking myself that question. (laughs) (laughs) And faith is the flame that keeps you alive. And throughout these three sections, I've interwoven true stories related to the themes about hope in real life circumstances to real people. Of course, I've changed the names, I've protected identities, and I have to confess, I've dramatized them a bit, but they really happened. And I think you'll, you'll find they add a lot of interest, not just to miracles or what you make of them, but to your own life. Yeah. And so... Um, um, so I have a question for you. I have a question for you. Yes. So, because we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna end this uh, episode shortly, right. but I, but I have a closing question for you. Okay. It's very difficult. I've noticed for many 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 older people, not just to stay with the times, but to 
be able to try and imagine or understand the world from the lens of the younger generation. I mean, you were at one time that younger generation that had the hopes and the dreams and the energy to push forward to what the next generation was going to be. That's right. But you're now two generations away from that. Right. Even almost three. You know, you're looking at your grandchildren. Yeah, you're looking at your grandchildren who are all born right around 2000. So how do you take the way that you look at the world from the lens in which you were created, which really was the backdrop of World War II, and reconcile that with all the changes in technology and all the way that information is now gathered by this younger generation who learn things in sound bites rather than, you know, a deep dive into the type of history you had to deep dive into when you were their age. How do you do that? How do you make yourself elastic enough to understand the world from their perspective and yet still be able to try and share your perspective with that generation? Well, a lot of people can't make the tradition transition. Yeah. And um, I think that I have in most respects, but everything works so quickly today. Mm-hmm. It's not just transition, it's the speed of transition. If you go back to the Industrial Revolution years and years ago, um, that traumatized society too, and it took about 40 years for it to stabilize. This moves so quickly, we can't afford to wait 40 years, you know? And in terms of the economy, in terms of travel, in terms of knowledge of other uh, situations and cultures, like the whole world seems to be so close now. You know, years ago, you used to be able to have a globe on your desk and think that you could see the whole world. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but it's like expanded so much. And today we use Google Maps with satellite industry, Exa- uh, satellite industry in, uh, imagery to drill down to a house on a street right. in Japan. And you can yeah. see a license plate on a car yeah. that's parked in your own garage and things like that. And um, like understanding different cultures. And I, I, I just, what disturbs me so terribly is the lack of manners for for want of a better uh, word uh, manners is a word that is utterly outdated and I mean we see a lack of manners uh, on the internet we see a lack of manners in daily intercourse with people we see a lack of manners in society and behind manners our morals. We see a lack of morals. And what's so, morality? It's different in every yeah. culture. So that in itself is another is a whole topic of discussion. <laughs> I want to thank you You're very for a welcome. very good first conversation. Tis. And we will look forward to many more. Right. Congratulations again on the release of your fantastic book, which is available for anybody who's interested on Amazon. It's called Amazon.com. Mir- mm-hmm. Mir- well, it's available on Amazon all around the world. So whatever country you live in, oh, you true. you can get it. <laughs> and it's um, uh, called Miracles or What You Make of Them. And the author, again, is Rabbi Corinne Koptik. And we will look forward to seeing you on our very next podcast. Until then. Thank you.